the Blaze Radio Network. On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. An interesting topic we've talked about uh, quite a bit over the, I don't know, past year yeah. or so, really, here and on radio, is how does technology kind of change the way the economy works, our lives work? Uh, how does it, you know, with, with the changes, you know, in, in employment, and the fact that there may be a lot of these jobs that we kind of depend on not really being around any longer. How does society adjust to that change? Because I think a lot of it is going to be positive. You know, I think we all kind of look at that and say, wow, I mean, things get easier. Uh, we don't have to do as much. Um, you, know, we, you know, obviously, we've already come to the point where technology has eliminated Jeffy's need to be here. Um, no, know. I'm here every day. I'm here. No, I, that's that. Yeah, I know I'm that. I'm here every day. That's the technology as it. I will say that. I got rid of this. So, well, for example, you uh, were out uh, for, I think, a week for something. I don't remember what. And we just picked some footage up of you reacting upset. And we just kind of ran that back whenever we put you on. And really, we didn't notice you were gone. AI couldn't do that, though. They couldn't pull that off. We didn't even need AI. We just needed, like, you know, a VHS recorder is really, that was plenty. Yeah, oh, yeah. You remember more, than, however, more than enough. Remember if how much better means, the show yeah, was? It was much. If, that, if you using that <laughs> means I stay home and collect a paycheck, giddy up. No, it, the You're paycheck shocked part to hear that doesn't work. Not only would you not get a paycheck in that scenario, you do uh -huh. not get a paycheck in this scenario. <laughs> uh, that's something we need to talk about later on. Uh, Kate Modisett is, uh, is, is with us. Uh, she is from uh, the San Francisco Examiner. Well, she wrote an article there about the Mincom, and I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated on this because the Mincom is kind of the answer we're yeah. hearing from sure uh, Silicon Valley and many on the left for They're sure. For it. That what you do when all these jobs go away is you're just going to have to give people free money. And that's the way it's going to have to work. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. just, I, to me, it seems uh, really scary. But uh, Kate joins us uh, now. And maybe, Kate, because, I, I mean, this is not necessarily Nancy Pelosi uh, pushing this particular um, flavor of the minimum income, the mincome. Um, this is kind of coming from the technology side. Can you explain how this came about? Absolutely. Um so yeah, I had, like you, heard a lot about what we call universal basic income or a mincome, um, some sort of national guaranteed income. Um, but really what got me interested in this subject was the fact that here in Oakland, um, Y Combinator, which is an accelerator for startups that most of us have heard of, 
Um, they're actually running an experiment in Oakland, um, giving people a universal basic income over a period of time and studying how that changes people's lives. So this, like you said, isn't coming from the left. Um, it's actually, even though Sam Altman, the president who's running the experiment, is on the left, um, it's coming from technologists, and it's coming from a private company. Um, so that's what got me interested in looking into it. It's really interesting. I think we've had Sam on, right? Haven't we had Sam on before? I think we have. Oh, maybe. Um, and, 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 and he talked about He may uh, have been the first this. one that brought it up. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a really interesting idea, especially, like, let's take it, because I, I think everyone in, in our audience, at least, is going to reflexively say, no, 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 I don't want a universal basic income. But let's right. just go down the road a little bit because this is coming from outside the government. So it really is a completely different thing. What are they trying to accomplish with the experiment? So what they're trying to accomplish is just to get data and actually to see if, you know, they don't even expect this data of 100 families to be decisive or revealing in any meaningful way. It's more of should we run more experiments? Um, so that bar is pretty low as far mm. as what this experiment will do to inform policymaking. Um, but the reason I wrote this article is, you know, this guaranteed basic income, I think, actually has a pretty conservative or libertarian base for it, um, you know, even if it comes from the government and not from this hmm. private company who's running the experiment. Um, so, yeah, that's that's sort of why I wrote it, because I think that... You know, I'm a libertarian. I tend to have a reflexive knee-jerk no to the government <laughs> um, writing people checks. But that's actually the one thing the government's okay at is cutting checks. So <laughs> that's a, that is, we're with you on that one. So yeah. is, is the idea why this is appealing to a libertarian or a conservative? The essentially, essentially, like right now, we have a giant structure where the government tries to do a zillion things. If you get rid of all of that other structure from Medicare to Social Security to all of those things and just give a very base income that people could spend instead of all of that infrastructure, maybe that's, a, while maybe not a pure libertarian step, a step in the right direction. Yeah, that's a, that's a big part of the basis is just the money and bureaucracy that you would save in eliminating the welfare state and switching to something like UBI would be tremendous. So, um, so how, much are, how much are we talking about? How, how, what would be the the price tag? Yeah, the income. What would be the income going out to individuals? Right. So here in Oakland, for example, um, it's between fifteen hundred and two thousand dollars right now, a month? depending on the size a month, depending okay. on the size of the family. Um, so the part of universal basic income that we have to, you know, that remains important is the basic part. Yeah. This is not, yeah. we don't want to give people a huge amount of money for doing nothing. Right. Um, which is what they tried to do in Switzerland and it failed. And then, you know? so, and so then ahead. what does that replace? What, what goes away? So in the li libertarian idea of the implementation of this policy, it would complace, uh, replace the entire welfare state. Right. Wow. Uh, which Good luck with is an extremely attractive proposition to someone like us. But yeah. You know, I think when a lot of people on the left talk about this policy, they're actually envisioning tacking it on to the current welfare state, and that's <laughs> an important distinction, right? Yeah. Because that completely gets rid of any of the, of the benefits that we're going to see from this. Exactly. Like, if you're layering it on top of the problem. But Katie, right? is, there, is there a fear from even you as an advocate of this uh, plan that the welfare structure wouldn't go away and it would wind up being both? 
Right. So that's why I'm, I wouldn't label myself an advocate of the plan. I think I'm um, a proponent of paying attention to it and okay. of, you, of using this as a framework for more incremental reform. Um, because I do think that it's not polit- politically feasible. You know, we have 126 anti-poverty programs in the United States today, and that's mm-hmm. just federal. Um, mm-hmm. Here in my beautiful home city of San Francisco, that's probably much, much more. So, uh, and, if, and if you think of all the interests that are packed into just one of those 126 programs, you know, you imagine that's not going to budge. Right. Um, but I think what UBI does is it gives us a new framework for analyzing how we think about anti-poverty programs because our current war on poverty is failing for a number of reasons and UBI eliminates or UBI-like policies eliminate a lot of those problems. Is there a, a concern um, that you are creating an even more well-defined dependency uh, by the average person, uh, you know, to the federal government? Um, because you, really, because this this means that people will be expecting they'll be going to their they're, uh, you know, of course, I'm talking like it's 1927, like they're getting checks in the mail, they're probably getting a direct deposit. But in theory, they're going to their, right. their mailbox, they're getting a check, it, they're looking at it as almost a gift. People look at tax returns as a gift. Um, <laughs> and and exactly. so th- there's that level of dependency that I think you'd, you'd actually maybe uh, push down uh, that sort of spirit of individuality and, and, and personal responsibility, whatever, whatever percentage of it we have left. Right. Right. And that's something I'm definitely interested in preserving. Um, And I agree with you. I think that's why we need more data on this. Um, I will say, though, every study completed so far on universal cash grants has not shown the kind of human behavior you're describing. Um, So, you know, they did experiments in Canada, in places like Africa, which obviously is no Oakland. That's why we're doing it here. Um, But in almost all the situations, people did not exit the workforce. Um, in Canada, it dropped about 1%. Well, mm. and actually productivity increased. So you actually mm. see people who are given a cash grant that isn't some sort of like paternalistic in-kind benefit from the government. They're actually more likely to spend that money on things that will increase their long-term earning potential. So in Africa, the number of kids going to low-cost private schools, private schools increased by 92%. Because these families had a cash grant that they could spend on what they wanted. It increased individual agency, um, and it kind of got rid of the paternalism that you see coming from a lot of government aid programs. Is it something that the government can do? Like, I mean, constitutionally, is there a role for the federal government, or should there be a role for the federal government to send checks to everybody because they think we think it might work? That's a good question. Um, I think there is a role for the federal government in providing a safety net for people. Um, and I think the way we're doing it doesn't work. You know, the war on poverty yeah. has been an epic failure. Um, <laughs> sure so has. I think, mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So well, I think the fact that we've already carved out the responsibility of the federal government to give some sort of safety net to people, you know, that's not necessarily going away. I hate to, yeah. I hate to say that, but it's not. No. Right? People, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's an assumed responsibility of the government that we have to work within the confines of. Um, but, and I think this is a better option. So what is the price tag? Do, do, is there an estimate for how much this would cost? 
that's another reason that I'm not a um, full-fledged advocate of it. So the price tag on it is about $4 trillion. Oh, okay, okay. Well, that's all right. And Over what period of time? Just $4 Like per day? I hope not. <laughs> is that a year? Is that for the life uh, of the program? It's hourly. It's hourly. It's <laughs> exactly. Um, that is for a year. So right now we spend wow. $1 trillion. Right now we spend $1 trillion on our current anti-poverty programs. Okay. So, but but still, that is dwarfed in comparison to that $4 trillion price tag. What Sam Altman and the technologists out here in Silicon Valley will tell you is that the tremendous economic growth that we're going to see from things like automation um, mm. will make the cost of living so low and make pro- productivity so high that we'll be able to pay for something like that. Hmm. Um, I don't know if I necessarily buy that in full, but I think it's an interesting thought experiment when you think if we're living in a time where technology is so productive that we don't necessarily need to work. Well, you won't um, be able to. Mm-hmm. You know, what does that look like? And I think, like you said, it's actually a lot of people are scared by that, obviously, but I think it's actually a pretty positive picture. Um because then you have more people who can engage in the soft skills. Like, not everyone's going to be an artist, but you think of, like, you know, communication, um, more of an information economy and more of a, you know, a human emotion economy. Because that is the one thing that computers will never be able to do, let's hope. Want to bet? <laughs> yeah, for another six bet. months at least. Uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. uh, Kate Madison, it's, it's great to have you on. It's, it's a really interesting argument, and I think a mm-hmm. kind of a contrarian one maybe in our circles. And I, I, like look, I like talking about stuff like that because it's, it's just, you know, it's not the same stuff we talk about every day. Uh, so thanks so much for coming on the program and, and, and making the case. It's an interesting one. Yeah, of course. It's great to talk to you. Thank you. Triple eight seven two seven back eight 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 seven. Just four trillion a year. That's yeah. not, one of the that's things. That, one of the things that they don't uh, talk trillion. about a lot of times that they try to face, hopefully in the studies, because mm-hmm. it's coming quicker than people realize, is mm-hmm. that you're thinking about it in today's terms, right? With all with all the other welfare money and the help money, but those people are still have an opportunity to work, or at least they, that's where we're thinking about it, right? Those people are already working, or they have an opportunity to work. They should get out and get a job. Well, there aren't going to be those jobs. Mm-hmm. Right? Those, you're not going to yep. be able to work. There's going to be millions of people without work or access to a job to make any kind of money. Yeah, I don't so wholeheartedly embrace do that thought because other yeah. jobs will replace many of but, the ones we lose. I tend to agree with you on that, Pat. I also, there's other, there's other things to modify there, too. There's also work hours, for example. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, our, we, you look back in history. Back in the 100 years ago, we were working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. That number has come down consistently worldwide because of productivity mm-hmm. gains through technology. And I think that's part of this equation, too. Maybe work is one day a week in the future. And if work is one day a week, that's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm in love with that. There's a lot of things that, that might come from that. And, I, and I, I've heard this argument, and we've made it, and we talked about it at least before, that uh, you know, people, how will they even have self-worth what, what would their value be they you know feel like they're accomplishing anything i like to think that the human being is more than just work right mm-hmm. i mean you know the idea that if we had nothing to do no responsibilities all of our needs were met just by waking up in the morning because you know society capitalism god has given us a gift of being able to create right. these incredible technologies that that take all that work away i gotta believe that we could focus on things that are more important than showing up and doing a freaking show with Jeffy every day. You think I'd wake up in the morning thinking that that's a good idea? 
You know, you think we think any of us like wake up and think, wow, what a, I'm so glad that today I'll get to, to sit about 15 feet away from Jeffy. I mean, you think any of us look at that as a positive? I mean, we want robots to I take do. these jobs. I think of it as a positive. Oh, yeah, oh wow. didn't that hurt? I mean, just the, the sadness yeah. in his voice <laughs> there, just the patheticness. Yeah, wow. Oof. Mm. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. 